You know, I've mentioned this before. Every show that I do, it's not scripted. The interviews aren't scripted. If something happens while I'm recording, I keep it in. I don't edit. It's just me talking. That's just what I did as a disc jockey. I'm used to live radio. So I i don't know how to edit. Don't even <laughs> attempt it. So what happens is the first time it's happening and there you go. So not having anything scripted and not sure, you know, which direction I'm going when I do this, I usually base the show on a topic about something that's affected me, right? And this morning, I had a little bit of a setback, and I had something that was planned. Uh, The one conversation I was going to be having, the stigma with women going to the doctor and complaining versus men going to the doctor and complaining in a situation my husband's having. And then I also had an interview planned. And the interview was postponed because the young lady uh, who has our illness has overdone it for the past couple of days. And excuse me, I think I'm battling allergies and that's Something else I want to bring up, because I also think it's because of the fascial adhesions that were released in my nasal passages. Let me take a swig of water. <coughs> Excuse me. My rich people water. I'm not rich, but it costs so daggone much money to have it, the Fiji water, because the doctor, you know, I've told you all about that. The doctor saying I washed out my nourishments or whatever, drinking regular water. But... The interview couldn't take place, and that's totally fine. And that's the thing. I've been promising you these interviews, and these people have contacted me. I have had contact with these people, but things pop up, and she's overdone it, and she needs to postpone, and that's fine. I'm sorry for her, definitely, but it's fine that she needs to postpone. We're on no time limit here. I just feel badly because I have told you something was going to happen, and I have this, I'm, I'm anal about responding to people when they have messaged me. And when I haven't heard from someone, I start thinking, oh my gosh, is, do I still have listeners? Are people still listening? Have I rubbed somebody the wrong way? And, I ha- and if you hear somebody yelling, it's my son. I've asked him to hold back, but he's gaming. He's 15. He's having fun. It's not a hostage situation. Nobody's crying for help. It's just my baby boy having fun. And currently, I'm in the bed. So our rooms are next to each other. We're going to hear them. And this is life. You know, being a disc jockey, I was used to live radio, so mistakes and all. My cats come in, anything. That's how it is. Today, I'm Emma's pillow. (laughs) And she seems quite content with that. But a situation happened. I met a young woman. I won't say her name because it's privacy. But everyone that joins the groups that I admin, I admin the the HEDS, HSD group that's got about 9,000 people in it. And then I broke off and did the fascinating AWOL Zebra group because I realized that adhesed fascia had stopped me from being able 
to live my life. It actually stopped my body from working. So, Wyland, son, you have a microphone. You don't need to yell. I love you. I'll be done soon. <laughs> Just my boy. But everyone that joins gets a personal welcome message. Now, when I had joined a group uh, for hypermobility, I was feeling really lonely. And I joined this group. I paid money. I don't even want to go down that lane. That's one of my pet peeves about charging people for money. But I was so excited because I guess I got this ping or something that said, oh, you've been mentioned in, in the group or something. So I go to it and I look and it says, we want to welcome all of these people. And I was in the mix of like five different people. And I thought, well, isn't that nice? So I responded and then I asked questions and I could never get anything from, oh, it's okay, son. Don't worry about it. Love you. <laughs> my son, my son just sent me a message going, sorry. And I'm like, no, it's okay. You're having fun. It's cool. You're a kid. I love you. No big deal. But that's cool. He's my boy. But uh, I was thrilled that this woman for this group messaged me. But she didn't. Come to find out when I became the admins of groups, Facebook sends you this little thing saying, you've got new members. Would you like to welcome them? And I was like, oh my God, how tacky. <laughs> it's not. It's nice to get the welcome, but I was just lumped in a Facebook message and that kind of bummed me out. So I'm real big on writing thank you notes and things like that and welcoming people. And I know how lonely this can be. And I welcomed this one young woman and she responded and then I sent her a message back and then she did a post and then I sent her another message and she was so sweet in her response and her message and it really, it, it did, it, it brought tears to my eyes because it brought up something that I think is good to dedicate today's episode uh, to and to that's the caregivers. Now we've done a spouses episode and I've had some spouses contact me but they too are dealing with individuals that have this illness so their days are dictated by the ones they're, they're, they're taking care of. So I will have interviews and <laughs> if you're interested Please, <clears throat> excuse me, there goes <laughs> the fascial adhesions. My nose, I couldn't breathe for 13 years. I've told you that. And these fascial adhesions that were released in my nose. Now, there's one more because it feels like there's a marble that's been shoved up my nostril. But I am draining for the first time. And I apologize. I haven't had this issue for 13 years. I haven't had allergy issues. I haven't had any of these problems. So this is all new to me, much like this illness. And I question it. I question it every single day. Do I have this illness? Do I really have this illness? So that's one thing for you as a caregiver to first and foremost know that 
the individual doesn't want this illness. And when the individual, and Jadog's going to say, had a couple of different words there. When the individual gets a diagnosis, they aren't happy because they got the diagnosis. They're like almost relieved because it's not in their head anymore. Somebody believes them. They're not crazy. Because I'm telling you, every doctor made me think that I was losing my mind. At one point, when my husband looked at me and said, if you don't just accept that it's in your head and that you need different kind of help, they're not going to let you leave the hospital. I thought they were getting ready to lock me in a mental institution. And I knew I didn't need to be locked in a mental institution. Not for this. I was devastated. I thought my husband was turning against me. I was scared. And that's a feeling that you have when you have HEDS. And it's not just HEDS. There's POTS. There's, there was it, MAC. There's just so many other things that come with this. You know, my eyesight, everything. Everything's affected. And today, you know, I'm not going to get better just by dealing with my fascia. Fixing my fascia is allowing me to be able to talk allowing me to be able to walk. It's taking care of the majority of my pain. But right now, because I'm getting down to the root cause of my pain, these fascia issues, right now it's like I can barely lift my arm. My arm is so sore underneath my left shoulder and that's where I had my shoulder replacement. And that's the area where I subluxed the vertebrae in my rib when I was doing Pilates a couple of weeks ago. So I am still, you know, paying for those incidents. And the sad thing is I didn't give myself enough time to heal when those fascial adhesions were released in my sinuses. Because it was pretty much like I had been punched in the face once a day, two days in a row, several times. It was like having my nose surgery again, honestly, uh, for when the doctors fixed it when it was broken. And I just rested kind of for a day and then just got up and kept going. Yesterday, I did our taxes. They were accepted. So hopefully I won't be broadcasting or podcasting live from jail anytime soon. I don't know. We'll see. They accepted it. Hopefully my numbers are good. But I, I still am feeling the effects. My, when you have fascial adhesions released, that muscle that has been strangled for so long is really shocked at first and it can take 48 to 72 hours sometimes for it to really realize that it's able to work again but it's very frustrating and right now the adhesions that are left I know are going to be brutally painful when I get them out but the pain has extremely intensified in these few areas 
So it's put me down for <laughs> for today and for who knows, just because I woke up, my right eye is doesn't seem to want to open. The pain is pretty bad and exhaustion. I can't believe how tired and I can usually fight the tiredness, but it's just everything combined. And that's one of the many issues that we deal with, with the HEDS. And you just never know which one's going to bother you. I'm also having constipation issues because that's the fascial adhesions in my abdomen. And every time you get up and try to exercise or you try to do something good for yourself, you feel like you're taking a couple steps back. So today I'm my cat's pillow and I'm watching I Love Lucy. So, <laughs> and I'm going to try to do a few things, but it's going to be from the bed. I'm getting ready to sew something for my son, but I'm on heat and you know, my upper lip's a little swollen and I feel like I've been in a fight and I lost, but it's okay. But as a caregiver, you don't quite know this and not everything that's wrong with me is visual. And because you can't see it, it's maybe hard for you sometimes to think that there's something wrong with with your loved one. I mean, I've been apologizing all morning to my husband. You know, I'm so sorry. I was so mad because he vacuumed and I was I had dozed off and I knew I needed my sleep, but then I knew that the house needed to be vacuumed. But I was pissed, to be quite honest with you, that he was vacuuming. For one, I was aggravated because I know I need the rest, but I was mostly aggravated because I couldn't do it. And he's like, you know the rules. You're not allowed to vacuum. The last thing I was doing when I went down, January 21st, 2021, was cleaning. And I was, I, I miss vacuuming. Whoever would have thought <laughs> that somebody would miss vacuuming. But little things like that get taken away. And you start getting aggravated when you have this illness. And, and there's nothing you can do. Changing sheets, that's even a difficult thing for us to do. I mean, how many of us have subluxed the rib? I mean, I was donning my bra. I like that word. Donning my bra and my rib popped out. Just normal little activities. Things that you wouldn't think mess us up with this illness. Now, as a caregiver, you want to learn all you can about HEDS, about any EDS, just to just learn anything you can about it, how it presents, how it affects the individual. That's, it's, it's just so important. It will help you learn what that individual is experiencing. Do they have joint problems? Do they have digestive issues? Your knowledge will help, especially 
when your spouse, your loved one, your friend, when they go to a doctor's appointment, or if they're talking with family or friends, or or if they have a chance to go into a research program, you can be so beneficial to them. You. So learn all you can. Talk about what they are experiencing. Just ask, you know, what is it that's bothering you? You know, join the groups that I mentioned. There are other other groups as well. Join groups. I, I really don't think there's a support group out there. I honestly cannot take on one more activity. I would love to start one, but I, I just can't. <laughs> I can barely, because right now I'm trying to get my personal trainer certification so I can go to the Fascia Institute, the Fascia Training Academy, on top of fighting this illness and trying to raise my son and take care of my family. And I don't understand Facebook. And so I've bitten off way more than I can possibly chew. And I'm trying. But I think that if there's somebody out there, I think that would be a great thing, a support group. And that's why I want to interview individuals. So you can help me understand what my husband's going through. So please contact me. If you are out there and you want to share your story, please contact me. I've had several, but like I said, we're dealing with the illness and time zones, but please contact me. I'd love to interview you. And you want to ask the person that you're dealing with that has UDS. Ask them to show you what they need. And there'll be days that they just most simply need you to believe that they are in pain, fatigued, or experiencing symptoms that just make them feel absolutely horrible. Just knowing that you are there for them is encouragement enough for the individual to make it through another day. And when I say make it through another day, I'm sincere. A lot of people, you know, have messaged me that there are days they just don't think they can do it. They just don't think they can make it through another day. Now, I've questioned those days. I've never acted upon it because it's just not, it's just not in my makeup. I'm, I, there's a whole nother episode I could do about that, but that's just not the direction I had. But I know that other individuals, I mean, I do, I question, why am I here? But I would never intentionally take myself away from here. But there are individuals that get so bad that that's all they think about. There are days when we need to be left alone. We need to be left in a dark room, curled up in bed. And then there's going to be days when we want to be seen as normal. But we need your help to learn how to pace our activities. You don't know how aggravated I get when my husband says, Ah, you need to be resting. 
I see you're going down. You should have been resting. Well, once you get up after being bedridden for days, you're afraid to sit back down (laughs) because you know what it's like to not be able to get back up. And if you are uncertain what your loved one needs, just ask. Two-way communication is so crucial with this illness. If needed, get a professional counselor. Anyone. Honest conversations are what you need to have. Remember that your loved one is more than their diagnosis. You've got to separate who they are as a person from their condition. And you've also got to make sure that you are more than just the caregiver. You need to separate your role from who you are as a person. Now, it's necessary to talk clearly about HEDS. It is. But it's equally necessary to set times when it's best not to discuss it. You want to have open, frequent communication between you and your loved one because it will help you be a better caregiver and a better giver of care or the person who receives care. I got to think about that. Just put it this way. Both individuals on either end will feel much better understood and supported if you understand what the individual is going through. Now, as a mother... I, I, I don't, I don't want to cry because I'll cry. Finding out after 15 years in 2021 that I had a rare genetic disorder that was triggered from the birth of my son, the son that I was told I could never have, was such a relief but then a disappointment because it was incurable, something that I couldn't fix. But then to find out in 2022 that my 14, now 15-year-old son has this same rare genetic disorder just kills me. It doesn't... uh, You know, my job is to keep my son safe. And I gave him this illness. It, 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 it just, all I can do is be there for him. All I can do is make sure that he does not suffer the way that I suffered. And I am learning because I wasn't allowed to go through what he's going through as a child. I wasn't diagnosed, but I wasn't allowed to have down days. And I was always supposed to be up. My family was full of depression and they would take to the bed. But I wasn't allowed to be down. I was told to fight the depression. 
And then I got into the job of radio, and as a disc jockey, they don't care if you had the worst argument of your entire life five minutes before you go on the air at 6 a.m. when you hit the ground running and you turn on that microphone. You are happy-go-lucky. And your job is to wake the people up. So I carried that all through my life. And then I realized my son, I passed that down to him as well. Now I'm trying to teach him it's okay to feel sick. It's okay to not be able to do it all. It's okay to hurt. And I don't mean it's okay to hurt. I'm going to let him hurt. It's okay for him to tell me he's hurting so I can take care of it. It's very important. As a mother, I understand if you, as a mother, feel guilty or feel heartbroken that you have passed this down to your child or if your child is the first person in your family to have it. Maybe you can go back and look. I've been able to go back and look and trace it in my family. Maybe it stems from some other part of your family. Maybe, you know, look at that and, and, and don't focus so much on, put it this way, there's a reason that my mother is no longer in my life. She was a martyr and she had a way of turning every situation to her. Remember, I told you, I was pregnant with a child after she recommended I have an abortion so I didn't ruin my career. She then found out that I had no one to throw me a baby shower. And she said, well, your fans will throw you one. Okay. I was in radio. Fans. And then she had a grandmother shower. I wasn't invited. Neither was my unborn son. But she turned my pregnancy to her. So I knew when I gave birth to my child, I could not, I I endured a life of that, of always having the situation turn to my mother. And she told me what she was going to do with my son when she would be watching him, and she never got that opportunity. And I had to protect my son. So if you are a mother and your child has this illness, realize they need you now more than ever. Because this illness is sadly understudied, is not well known, and the doctors do enough to make you think you're crazy. I went through six neurologists before I got a diagnosis. So many of them told me it was in my head. I didn't need my mother to not be on my side. 
I needed my mother as my advocate. So that's what you need. If you are a mother and your child has it, learn all you can and educate yourself about this illness. I can speak as a child that wish I had the opportunity to have this. I needed my mom more than ever when I was diagnosed. I had so many questions and I've had to go and fill the blanks back in because I'm, I, I, I won't, I won't go seek out those answers because I have my son to protect and that's my job. And I feel like I haven't protected him because I've given him this illness. So as a mother, I understand where you're coming from. But please educate yourself. Be, you, you can be the best advocate for your child. You just don't know in so many ways. If you do nothing but just give them a hug or give them a day off or understand they need the day home from school. Understand they're not being lazy. You can be their biggest advocate. Now, being a caregiver is very hard work. And it's perfectly normal for you to have feelings like anxiety, anger, grief, even guilt. Understand that your feelings are neither good nor bad. They are your feelings and they need to be felt. You yourself as a caregiver need to find uh, other caregivers to speak with. There are support groups out there. There are patient advocates. I just don't know about them on Facebook. You've got family, friends, community groups, faith-based resources. There's professional counselors. You can find someone you yourself need to do this. If my husband wasn't so daggone busy, I'd ask him. Eh, I'll ask him. I'll ask him if he wants to start a group. <laughs> if you see a support group online coming near you, it's my husband. I'm going to try. We'll see. But to be an effective caregiver, like my husband is for me, you need to take care of yourself. You cannot be an effective caregiver for your loved one if you do not take care of yourself every day. This means eating healthily, healthily, healthfully, no, healthfully, there we go. This means eating healthfully, getting quality sleep, exercising regularly, and taking care of your own medical needs. But it also means nurturing more than just your body. You need to take time for yourself every day, relaxing, just doing something you enjoy and connecting with what is important to you. Maybe you have a hobby or maybe you're a book club or something. Maybe just a good nap or meditation restores your balance. You need to make this time for yourself each and every day. It's also very important to seek social connections for the both of you.
You need that. You need to have an outlet. It could be with friends. It could be a group. Maybe you just go to events in your community. But being around other people can help you cope better with the responsibilities of being a caregiver. And another thing, and this has been hard for me because my pain has been so intense. I'm like, okay, I have to remember this for my appointment on Tuesday. I've got a problem in my nose. I know there's something going on in my neck. I know there's something wrong on my left side at my shoulder blade and I have an adhesion. I know on my sit bone and my left butt cheek and there's something in my right toe. That's all I've been able to focus on because all I have is severe, sharp, deep, burning pain in these areas. But you need to sometimes not be focused on the illness. Try, try to create opportunities for humor, adventures, problem solving, I don't know, discussions that have nothing to do with this condition. Have conversations and show what you love about the person you're taking care of, their personality, their intelligence, maybe some outside interests. I don't know. Just be there for the individual that you are taking care of rather than just physically be there be there for them mentally. Help them just live as normal a life as they possibly can. Do activities where you both, because it's difficult. My husband can walk a mile. <laughs> My husband can do just about anything. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> I'm really... At 13 years, this is incredible. I'm, I'm dealing with this, but I'm having to clear my throat, and I apologize. And excuse me, <clears throat> I'm going to have to take a quick sip of water. I can feel it. There you go. That Fiji water, it does taste so darn good. But my husband, he can do all of these incredible things. I can't. So I'm trying to find things that we can do. And it's hard because I have to prepare before I do it. And then if I've exhausted myself doing doctor's appointments and other things, then I'm no good for him when he's ready to do something. He wanted to go see Kevin Smith, and I was able to get VIP tickets. We sat in the VIP section, and now I'll never go back to regular seats again. But I can't afford VIP tickets. It... We, it, it's a long story, but we were given the opportunity. Uh, my husband courted me with Kevin Smith. He loved Kevin Smith, the movies, Clerks, Jay and Silent Bob and all of that. And that's, you know, dogma. We, we watched all these movies while we dated and Kevin Smith just came out with Clerks 3 and this was uh, last year, I think, in September. September 11th, as a matter of fact, 2022. And I knew how important this was for my husband. 
So I did nothing for the week prior, more nothing than usual, to prepare for this event. And I wrote Kevin Smith and asked him, I said, you're coming to Richmond, close to our home. We're, you know, coming to see you. And I unfortunately need a handicap seat. And I got one, but they didn't have two seats available. So my husband and I would have to sit apart. Well, eventually the movie, the, the place that was having it allowed, um, they were going to allow another chair to come in so my husband could sit with me. The next thing I know, because my, my husband was such a fan of Kevin Smith and I you know, explained to him my situation. I said, I have this disease. I said, I'm not contagious, but if you could, you know, I, I just wanted to know, you know, if by chance I could somehow get another seat and would you give us permission? The next thing I know, we were given VIP tickets. And I am so grateful for that because my husband had the best night of his life in a long time. And he's been taking care of me because ever since I gave birth, I've had one illness after another that has put me down in bed. And he has had to take over everything. When I had the seizures, I couldn't drive for six months. So he had to go to work and take our son to school. Then when I lost the ability to use my left leg, I couldn't drive my truck because it was a stick shift. So we had to get a new vehicle. He works seven days a week. The man takes incredibly good care of me. And he needs to be taken care of as well. So we go to the Kevin Smith thing. It's absolutely wonderful. We're in the VIP seats. It's so much fun. He said, I mean, oh, the restrooms, you don't have to wait in line. There's a bar. There's, it's just incredible. I mean, I felt, wow, I can never go back to mainstream seating again. But we got done and we were on our way home. And he's like, this is incredible. I can't believe I had a neck collar on and my hip belt and everything. Because uh, that's where I was at this stage of the illness at that point. And he said, "With, it was like there was absolutely nothing wrong with you. It was incredible. Thank you so much. I had such a wonderful time. And then I slowly turned back into a pumpkin. And that's that's what I call it. When I start crashing and my body no longer wants to function the way I want it to, I turn back into a pumpkin. Now, I was down for like three to four days after that event, but it was okay because my husband had a well-deserved, most incredible night. So on that note, I'll leave you with have fun, but make it fun that you both can do. Celebrate what you both love about life and about each other, knowing that this condition is just one aspect of your lives. Being a uh, being a I was going to put overwhelming and caregiver at the same time. Come overwhelming. Being a caregiver may feel overwhelming at times, but there's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days. But if you follow these tips and work together, 
you'll find that caregiving can be rewarding for both of you. I'm Christy Lynn Hanshee, AWOL Zebra. Thank you so much for listening. Have a lovely day.